The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Want to run with the Game Changers? You're in absolutely the right place. Today, we're going to be talking about growing your SME business, smart tips for entrepreneurs, and this is part two. So let's get started. Our topic of the day, SMEs, and you know what that is. Those are small to mid-sized enterprises or little startup companies. Okay, if you're the entrepreneurial founder or the leader of a small to mid-sized company, I'm going to bet good money that your commitment is tested daily, maybe hourly, maybe by the minute. OMG, why did I do this? What am I doing? Will I ever see the light at the end of the tunnel? When does it stop? When will the money start pouring in? Does this sound familiar? Well, let's talk about what you've got on your plate. You've got to engage investors if you're raising money. You've got to build a smart, dedicated, passionate core team to help you forward your vision. You have incremental changes that happen after you get this infrastructure in place. That could include scale your technology, opening sustainable distribution channels, engaging, delighting, and retaining customers. On top of that, you've got to master an array of social media opportunities that can be mind-boggling. When do you sleep? Well, in case you're wondering how today's successful small businesses get it all done and keep their sanity, I have a panel of three smart experts who are going to talk about it and give you some tips, some words of wisdom to help you succeed and sleep. Let's get started. First up on the panel, returning guest is Brian Moran. He's the founder and CEO of, no surprise, Brian Moran and Associates, and he has brought us a very interesting quote from H. Jackson Brown, Jr. I had to look this one up. Uh, he's an American author best known for his inspirational New York Times bestseller book, Life's Little Instruction Book, and here's the quote. Never let the odds keep you from doing what you know in your heart you were meant to do. Brian Moran, welcome back. Thank you, Bonnie. Great to be here. So talk to me about your quote. You know what? It's, uh, I spent half my career in corporate America and half my uh, career as an entrepreneur. So that's about 20, 26, 27 years. And um, when I was in corporate America, as much as I loved it there, I knew that I was born to be an entrepreneur. So uh, that quote echoed quite a bit in 2012 when I decided to leave the Wall Street Journal to start my second uh, adventure as an entrepreneur. And what did you start at that point in time, Brian? I started Brian Moran and Associates, and what we do is help entrepreneurs run better businesses and marketers better target entrepreneurs. 
Okay, so let's talk a little more about the quote from H. Jackson Brown. Mm -hmm. Never let the odds keep you from doing what you know in your heart you were meant to do. What's the advice piece here for our listeners? I know we're not into the roundtable yet, but what 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 is it in your heart that you knew you were meant to do? How do people recognize that beat of the heart or that, that little song that comes out and says, <laughs> okay, stop right now, take right. a right turn or a left turn and go do something else and just go for broke, hopefully not. Talk to me a little more, Brian. Go ahead. Well, everybody thought I was crazy to start my own uh-huh. company. You know, I have a, a family, four kids, college, and uh, but you know, there's that when you jump off the the cliff, you, you know, there's that kind of leap of faith that you make that says, "I know what I'm doing. I know there's risk, but I've calculated them, and I really believe in my heart that." This is what I was meant to do, and I'll put so much effort and energy and mm-hmm. passion and enthusiasm into it that I just won't fail. Brian, you see this on, on Shark Tank all the time. I'm a big fan of Shark Tank, and, and you see the sharks who are all self-made, multi-multi-multi-something in airs, and you see them telling these entrepreneurs, nah, it's just a hobby, nah, it's just a side business, yeah. nah, it's not a business yet. So they're, that, they're looking for more than that passion, but we're going to get into that later in the show. Thanks for a great opening, Brian, sure. and let's turn to your co-panelist, Andrew Sherman, also a returning panelist here. Andrew is a partner in the Washington, D.C. office of Jones Day. They have lots and lots of lawyers all over the world. <laughs> and here's Andrew's original, original quote. I love this one. We spend most of our lives devoted to activities that diminish our fuel, and then we wonder, why is our tank empty? I love that. Go ahead, Andrew Sherman. Welcome, and tell me about this quote. Well, thank you. That's um, actually a quote from me. Uh, it's from my Road Rules book. I, I probably should have quoted a third-party source like Brian did, but uh, that one is one that actually uh, a lot of people have picked up on from the Road Rules quote. And I, I, I know I see this with so many entrepreneurs, challenges in time management, challenges in awareness, challenges even in efficiency. You know, we, all of us, I mean, all of us on this call and probably every single one of your listeners are busy people, type A people. And we run mm-hmm. from meeting to meeting, shooting our, you know, putting out fires with fire hoses and then at the end of the day, we wonder why our, why our water is empty. Um, we need to be more cognizant and connected and engaged with what we're doing all day and the impact it's having on our companies, the impact it's having on our relationships, the impact it's having on our mental and physical health. Um, and I, I see this, unfortunately, with way too many clients who um, spend the whole day putting out fire hoses and don't know why there's no water left or who spend the day running around and can't imagine why their tank is empty. I mean, you know, energy is fuel, and we mm-hmm. have to allocate fuel efficiently, not only because it's the environmentally right thing to do, but it's also the strategically smart thing to do. Thank you, Andrew. It comes to mind what we used to call work-life balance, and now they call it work-life integration, and the life of an entrepreneur is, really, I'm allowed to have a life? I made this commitment. I get some sleep. Wow, 10 minutes is really feeling good right now. You mean I can talk to my family? Well, they're not on my uh, my Rolodex right now. Anyway, there's a, a huge effort to balance, and, and I know we're going to touch on that. Thank you for your words of wisdom, and I love original quotes, Andrew. You don't have to quote somebody and I, else. And, and Bonnie, if I could just very quickly, I mean, I think yeah. that, as you said, um, you know, it's not the, – the, the concept of balance is elusive. I think that 
integration is the right way to think about it, but also I, I think as you touched on, a level of consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. it's the wonderment piece that stands out yes. in the, in the quote that I wrote. It's it's you know do it's almost like the definition of insanity, right? I mean, doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. You know, if you're running around like a maniac all day. Don't be shocked at the end of the day when you feel like you've accomplished nothing. Um, I want people to be more efficient with the allocation of their time and more cognizant of how they're spending their time. Mm -hmm. And the new buzzword, I believe, in this case is mindfulness. Yes, very well said. Very well Thank said. you. Yeah, we've had some experts on mindfulness and health at work on the show, and, and uh, that's one of the words that stands out. And let's turn to our third panelist. It's Megan Sullivan. She's a vice president of global channel marketing at SAP. And we have a quote from Albert Schweitzer. There's actually a hashtag for Albert Schweitzer because, like Einstein, the quotes from these amazingly brilliant men are coming back in fashion. Here's the quote Megan sent me. Success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you're doing, you will be successful. Love this one. Megan Sullivan, welcome. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing great, Bonnie. Good. Thanks for joining us. You were on with me on a different topic, so we're happy to have you join this one. And great words of wisdom. Tell me, why did you pick a Schweitzer quote? I think this is his first time on the show. And uh, talk to us a little bit about how does this relate to what Brian and Andrew have already shared with us. Go ahead, Megan. Well, you threw out a challenge to me last time because I did a Maya Angelou quote that was uh, quoted a lot on your show. So this time I thought I would go with something a little non-traditional, a little more rare. So that's where all this (laughs) (laughs) So I think, you know, in terms of uh, my quote, it goes back to something what Andrew was saying. If you're going to run around like a maniac all day, you might as well have fun doing it, right? If you love what you're doing and if you have passion in your life and passion in your job and you absolutely love what you're doing – you will be more efficient, you will be more successful, and you'll be more productive. Because I think that passion shines through and just pushes people to be more productive. I think that's a thread we're hearing. Uh, what your heart, Brian Moran's quote from H. Jackson Brown, you know in your heart you were meant to do. Andrew Sherman's talking about uh, the activities that diminish versus those that enrich and you're mindful about how you spend your time, energy, and your passion. And then you with the quote, happiness is the key to success. I think we're on a really good track here. Going to be a good conversation. So it already is. Let me ask the three of you a good question. What's in your cup today or what do you wish you were drinking? Let's start back with Brian Moran. Talk to me, Brian. What's in the cup? Bonnie, I have a one liter bottle of Evian water in front of me. And the reason I'm drinking Evian is because I have been working all morning uh, and haven't had a chance to go out and get uh, some Starbucks, but uh, also because I gave up Diet Coke after drinking it Mm. for almost 40 years. I gave it up (gasps) on May 13th, cold turkey. (laughs) in your hotel room, dude. So just uh, I'm trying to give you some financial planning advice here. <laughs> well, what was that, Andrew? Say it again. We didn't hear you. That, that Evian in Brian's hotel room is about 30 bucks a bottle, so he, <laughs> I want to make sure he enjoys it. Well, he didn't say he was broke. He just said he was trying to go cold talk yeah, turkey Andrew, off of Andrew, diet soda. I went out to CVS and got it. Th- two for $3. All right, good. I'm just looking out for you, buddy. I appreciate that. Wow. We'll talk about still having water in your tank. His tank is not empty. Brian, I have a question for you. If you were to make it to Starbucks, what would you be ordering? I want to know that, too. We're going to hit you with a double here. Sure. A very manly, venti, skinny vanilla latte. (laughs) 
We're having much too much fun here. I'm following my passion. Andrew Sherman, I won't ask you to top that, but what are you drinking or what's uh, what's oh, coming I'm, into the I'm cup? I'm going to top it. I'm going to top it. Uh, what's, what's in my glass metaphorically right now, and, and actually is, is it triple espresso because it's just one of those mornings, uh, mm-hmm. but I will tell you Monday night we went to a very special dinner uh, for a friend's birthday, and the uh, one of the guests was a chef and sommelier at a very uh, famous Washington restaurant, and he wrapped the bottle of wine in tinfoil, and what? no one could see what it was, and he poured it for some pretty sophisticated palates, and we all had to taste it and guess what it was. And as it turns out, it was a bottle of, of 1961 French wine, um, well, 1961 is also the birth year, and he picked it because our host both year. We're not knowing mm-hmm. that it was also my wife and my birth year. So it became a very special bottle of wine for all three of us, the host as well as Judy and I. And so what I wish I was drinking right now is a little bit more of that 1961 <laughs> French bottle of wine. Well, I think we'd all like a sip of that one. So if if you want to tweet what it was, uh, maybe people will have the opportunity to find something like that. I love the idea of a vintage wine in the year of the birth of exactly. the honoree at the such party. A nice touch, and, and that is cool. We got to piggyback on it because we were also sixty oneers. Wonderful. It pays to have like like birth year people at the party, doesn't it, Brian? Uh, Andrew, I appreciate that. Megan Sullivan, I can't ask you to top that, but tell me, what are you drinking or what do you wish you were drinking? Well, what I am drinking is what I refer to as my cup of personality. So that would be a, a foamy, delicious Nespresso coffee right out of my machine. Fantastic. The only thing that would make it better is if I were drinking this on a beach in Turks and Caicos. Okay, well, we can uh, make we can release you as soon as 58 after comes, and you can head for the airport. That's just fine. Uh, I just want a little piece of news here. My daughter was married in Asheville, North Carolina, over the weekend, and I went down a couple of days early and was treated to, and I'm not a latte fan or connoisseur. I like my coffee dark and, and thick, as I like to say, but she has a Breville coffee maker, an espresso maker, and she and her now husband are both aficionados on how fresh are the beans and the water pressure and the temperature and this and that. And I must tell you, I fell in love with the latte. So I'm trying to figure out what I can afford to do in terms of a home latte machine, but that's next for what's in my cup. Well, let's get back on our topic here. We're talking about growing your SME business, smart tips for entrepreneurs from people in the know. This is part two because we've covered this topic before, but all kinds of fresh advice for you. I'm speaking today with Brian Moran at Brian Moran Associates, aptly named Andrew Sherman at Jones Day and Megan Sullivan at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. If you're keeping track, this is live episode number 146 and it is Wednesday, August 13th, 2014. We're going to go out and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have an almost 30-minute roundtable nonstop and I know my panelists are ready to go. So, Brad... Let's go. Over and out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And welcome back. If you're the entrepreneurial founder or leader of a small to mid-sized company, you probably need help. My three expert panelists today are ready to give you all kinds of interesting advice from the trenches. Been there, done that. Let's kick off the roundtable with Brian Moran of Brian Moran Associates with something Brian sent me before the show, some talking points. I think this is a great way to start. Uh, Brian says, today more than ever. Business owners and entrepreneurs need to have a GPS plan that helps them navigate uncharted waters. Another, that's a great original quote, by the way, Brian. I want to crochet that on a, on a pillow somewhere. <laughs> Brian, talk to me. What's the, what kind of GPS? Are we talking about a TomTom or on their iPhone or is this a, a business plan that's digital or where, what kind of a GPS plan? Let's put some meat on the bones. Go ahead. Sure, absolutely. So what I always tell people is, how many, how many of you use a smartphone to navigate your way from one point to another, maybe a place that you've never been before? And invariably, you know, if I'm talking to a room full of people, at least 75 to 80% of the hands will go up. And uh, I say, okay, well, what if I took your phone away from you? How much harder would it be to get there? Because people have basically abandoned the – and I – with all apologies to Rand McNally, but it seems like nobody uses the printed map anymore, right? They rely on their phones. And um, I, I say, well, wouldn't it be great if you had something similar for your business? Like, and, and it told you what deals to do, what partnerships to say yes to, and what ones to say no to, and how much money you're going to need, you know, and, and it'll keep track for you, uh, for you along the way as you do it. Mm-hmm. And everyone will shake their hands and uh, shake their heads and say, oh, of course, that would be fantastic. Well, the problem is what I find with a lot of small business owners is that they don't use a GPS plan. They think of a business plan. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that they create for the banks or investors yep. or even for themselves. And those quickly get shoved into a, fo- a filing cabinet and mm-hmm. you don't see them anymore. Well, if you had a GPS plan that said, okay, you know, there are four, there are four elements to it. There's a strategic goal that says this is where I want to go to. And, you know, maybe it's a, it, it has to be specific and measurable and hopefully attainable. So that might be a million dollars in revenue, all right? Um, and, and the last year you did 700000 in revenue. So what you're saying is, you know, 
I want to increase my business by 300000 That's my number. That's where I want to go to. The second part is the operational plan. How am I going to get to that million dollars? How much of it will come from existing business? How much will come from new business, right? So, and you have to take into consideration that you will lose business in the following year. So maybe 700000 you lose 100000 in revenue. So now you have to get 400000 in new business. That's your operational plan. You also need to have plan B and plan C and plan D in the event that something doesn't happen. And the, the third step, obviously, is execution. Okay, so you've laid out your, your, your plan, your, and you have your strategic goal. You need to review that on a regular basis because plans change. There are detours. I love, I love coming back to Andrew's book, Road Rules, because that's such a, a great um, uh, roadmap for life mm-hmm. and for business. But we always talk about that. We always talk about entrepreneurship as a road trip. And so there are going to be detours along the way. There are going to be un, unexpected uh, costs, like you'll get a flat tire or you run out of gas, you need to get towed. But you take all these things into consideration and you reconfigure your plan so that you can mm-hmm. he- achieve your strategic goal in the allotted time and still have money left over. The last part, so execution is part three. The last part is focus. There's another great quote. I don't remember who said it, but the only reason for failure is broken focus. You know, when you, when you start to have success in business, other people see that and they want to be part of your success. People like to attach themselves to winners. And what mm-hmm. happens is, as you're driving from point A to point B, well, there's somebody at point C saying, hey, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this partnership. And then there's somebody at point F saying, oh, no, 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 come over here and mm-hmm. we'll do this business together. And you get distracted. You get distracted by your success. And they wave these big deals and big opportunities in front of you. And if you only look at your GPS plan, it will tell you the obvious answer. Say no to point C, say no to point F, and focus on getting to point B. Very well put. Thank you very much, Brian. I'm thinking that this needs to be a living, working, flexible plan, but it sounds like you need to marry yourself with this plan where it's, it's your go-to, right? It's your Bible. It's, it's, it, you may be able to change it, but it's, it's your where you go when something distracts you. Very, very well put. Andrew Sherman, I want to hear what you think about this. Uh, Brian Moran's idea of a GPS plan with all these wonderful points along the way. Thoughts? Well, Brian Brian knows I love it because, I mean, it's coming back again to the road rules principles. But I would actually like to show off my social media knowledge by adding one component, Brian, to your observation, and that that the GPS plan has a Waze component. Uh, are you guys all familiar with the application Waze, W-A-Z-E? And Waze takes the GPS one level further and adds a social media crowdsourcing kind of component where everyone's weighing in on the traffic ahead. So if you take Brian's concept, which is beautiful, and you add in not only your own GPS on your iPhone, but people you know, weighing in from time to time, hey, Brian, you know, you may not know this, but their traffic construction just began at 10 a.m. on such and such highway, and you were about to get on that highway, and now the crowd is guiding you on some of the obstructions that you're going to find 
as you navigate your business. Now you've got a winning combination. You've got a reliable GPS. You have the data points you need to get from point X to point Y, and you have your crowd or the customers or, or other pieces of your ecosystem weighing in to guide you. And, 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 and now we've really got something. I love that. Uh, I'm, I looked up Waze while you were talking. I think I am familiar with it. It says, get the best route every day with real-time help from other drivers. Exactly. Waze, one other of the world's largest. is the yeah, key and part there. Other drivers and community-based. I think that's also important. Largest community-based traffic and navigation app. Join other drivers in your area to share real-time traffic and road information. And here's the kick, saving everyone time and gas and money on their daily commute. Exactly. You know, what I always do, <laughs> you're going to laugh, Andrew, what I do when I see road conditions and I'm not hearing them on 1010 Winds, the big New York news station, or WCBS, I'll just pick up my cell phone if I'm not driving, and I will call their their uh, breaking traffic line, and I will say, hey, I'm on Route 73, and by the way, we haven't moved in an hour and 20 minutes. Where the heck is your helicopter? And they're like, thank you very much, lady. Anyway, that was that's the old way of sharing. Now, I guess you go on ways. Uh, Megan Sullivan, want to hear what you have to say. We're on the GPS track here. We've got ways. We've got some sharing of ideas. Uh, talk to me. What's your thought? Well, first of all, I'm a Waze Ninja, so it's one of my favorite apps. I use it all the time. <laughs> ah, Yay! Love it. <laughs> But what I would, you know, I mean, if we're going to stick on the ways analogy, you know, Brian and Andrew are absolutely correct. And I would just add, you know, one of the most important things when you're building a business and working through these challenges is the network around you, you know, and, and that social media component and leveraging your network and other people that have been through it. You know, I would also say, you know, reaching out to others that are in that same position as you as that leader, being able to have you know, um, very vulnerable talks with them about what some of the challenges are and what you're going through. And, you know, there's a roadblock ahead. So what are the best ways to get around it? Or even reflecting back on your, your drive in the last couple blocks. You know, I hit a big rock back there. Let's talk about, you know, why I did it, what happened, and how I can make sure I avoid that moving forward. So not just looking at around us in the future, but also reflecting back as well. Very good point. Brian, you want to wrap this thread up before I go to something Andrew wants to talk about in his talking points? Go ahead. Um you know, it's the, uh, what is it, that those who fail to plan should plan to fail. So I love it. True words of wisdom. You will be exponentially more successful if you plan it. Because life, here's the last, last part of this. Life, never, life and business never go according to plan. Very true. What does it say? Men plan and God laughs. You've heard yeah. that one, I'm yeah, sure. Of course. Absolutely. And so do your investors sometimes, but they're not laughing with merriment and glee. Thank but, you. Let's turn to Erica. Yep. Yeah. Last, last comment on that. The funny yeah. part is, as much as investors know that man plans and God laughs, they still insist on a plan anyway. So we're, <laughs> there you, know, you go. We, we're creatures there. of our own habits and uh, totally agree with, with that last comment. Very good. And Andrew Sherman, I have to mention that you've written, I think you're up to 26 books now. I've, I've lost track. I have a bunch of them listed because uh, Brian Moran mentioned one of your books, Road Rules. And Andrew Sherman, let's talk about something that's near and dear to you. Uh, large companies need to take a page from the playbook of venture-backed companies to create passion and engagement in their workplace. If you want to get the economy fully kick-started again and review competition in the global marketplace. So let's take a bigger view rather than just talking about the GPS. Let's talk about uh, these venture-backed companies. Are they inspiring better business practices? Are they inspiring more spending? Are they in, infusing the economy with more energy and capital? How do you see that, Andrew Sherman? 
Well, all of the above. Uh, Bonnie, I've been practicing early this morning for a um, karaoke debut on your show, and so get ready. <laughs> Just sit back, hold tight to your chair, uh, but I'm, I'm going to attempt a few lyrics from You've Lost That Lovin' Feelin'. Um, I, I won't really do that to you because I do want to be back another time. Um, I'll invite. Go ahead. We, go ahead. Let, give have, us one we, line. We've lost that love and feeling. And, yeah. and the observation is many larger companies do need to take a page from the playbook of the smaller companies. You know, in this country and in other countries, including Germany and other countries around the world, we think that the small company has to learn from the big company. You know, we're, we're mm-hmm. hierarchical in our, in our viewpoint. The truth is many large companies now need to learn from the small company. They have to look at the levels of passion and engagement. When Amazon um, bought Zappos, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos was not shy in saying, hey, it's the Zappos culture that we need to emulate, you know, even more than our own. And there's been lots of documentaries and, and things written about the Zappos culture. So what the, the point I was trying to make in my first discussion point is that um, we do have a problem in our country and on a global level, particularly in larger companies, where boredom and complacency and disengagement uh, has seeped into the culture. And to be blunt, we, we, we can do better. We need to do better. I mean, our futures and our children's futures are relying on us doing better. There is so much potential sitting inside these companies, and the politicians aren't talking about it. You want to get this economy kick-started. You want to get uh, unemployment down to 4 and 5%. You want to create higher quality jobs. Uh, embrace the passion and engagement of small companies and trickle up into the big companies. Too much boredom, too much complacency, too much disengagement. In, for my for my liking. If I could, if Jump I could in. tag on to what Andrew's saying, I think we can keep it rolling here. So Andrew talked about uh, kind of boredom and complacency in, in the large companies. And I, I, th- I agree with you, but I would word it in a, in a bit of a different way. Um, coming from a big company myself, I think what happens is that as companies grow, we get to that growth stage and the processes start to come in. Um, and, you know, things that we can do and things that we can't do. And so I think what you get is organizations that maybe stop getting as innovative as they could because they don't think the business will tolerate it. And I agree with you. We have to knock those walls down, and we just have to move forward and create subcultures within these big companies, startups of teams, and get the attitude that, you know, no matter what we've done before, what the processes are, we can be innovative, and we can move forward, and we can take that passion and innovation and and change how things happen in the big companies. You're 100% right. And by the way, yes. not all big companies suffer from this. Just too many do. Absolutely. And there are some companies that are beginning to embrace these principles, beginning to realize that, you know, when, when 30, 40, 50% of your employees are either somewhat disengaged or actively disengaged, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, that, that's a serious problem. And so, uh, yeah. I do think we're making some headway, but we need, there's a lot more work to be done. And, and like you said, silos and walls need to be smashed big time. So an idea, just uh, kind of kind of anyone's looking for, for something, is back when I was at HP, I ran the Startup and Venture Capital Council. And what we did is we went out and found 15 of the most interesting entrepreneurs and VCs in the area. And we would bring them into HP to meet with our executives and management about what was going on in technology and where the future is going and kind of cool things. And, and we leveraged a lot of those ideas back with what we did inside of HP. 
So no matter how big you are, I think we can still bring these companies within the, you know, within our fold and, and learn from them. Now, I have a question. This is Bonnie. My question for all three of you is, uh, this reminds me of what we call reverse mentoring, where the, the newbie in the workforce can add value and educate in different and new and exciting ways the older or long-term employee, longer-time employee. So I'm seeing that you're saying that we can take the energy and passion for, and commitment from the entrepreneurs and bring it back into larger organizations. But what I'm going to ask my three panelists, Brian, Andrew, and Megan, to do is, how is this a t- tip for the smart entrepreneur. Are you telling the entrepreneurs, go knock on the door of the big company and say, hey, I've got the passion that you used to have before you lost that love and feeling, and let me in and let me help you, let me do business with you. Where, what can we give, give as advice to the entrepreneur out of this great talking point? Uh, Andrew, since it's yours, talk to me. Well, I'll give you two things. One, if you are leading a mid-sized to smaller company that does have passion and engagement, uh, use that as your foundation for growth. Use that perhaps, as you suggest, as an entree into larger companies for strategic partnerships and alliances and other things. But I guess the real warning sign I'm trying to send here is, you mm-hmm. know, mid-sized companies and even small companies suffer from this too. And so, um, you know, we I've seen, you know, if you're a company with 4,000 employees and half of them are disengaged, well, at least you got 2,000 that aren't disengaged. But if you're a mid-sized company with 250 employees and 125 are disengaged, you're probably not far from Chapter 11. Um, so the impact of disengagement and lack of passion and politics and silos um, on a small to mid-sized company can be significant. A large company in some ways can get away with it and survive for a long time because it's a very mm-hmm. slow-moving cancer. But in a mid-sized company, that cancer will attack the good cells and destroy the company faster. So I would say if you're listening to today's show and this point is resonating with you, you mm-hmm. need to do kind of a bit of a cultural audit and make sure that, number one, uh, your people are truly passionate and engaged, and number two, that you're not suffering from Emperor's New Clothes Syndrome where you're mm-hmm. walking around thinking the culture's great, but uh, in all, in so all uh, reality, it, it's not great. Not so much. I want to move to a talking point from Megan, but first I want to hear from both Megan and Brian on, on what Andrew just shared, the, that way of giving advice to the entrepreneur. Uh, Megan, thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely agree with where Andrew's going with that. I think you know we've seen a lot how when small companies get into that growth stage, um, you know, before where the CEO or the founder is very passionate and kind of bringing their own flavor and passion to the business. As they get bigger, they do get further away from the employee base, and sometimes that passion may diminish or fizzle. So it's so important that, um, you know, to, to Andrew's point, just make sure that engagement is there. Make sure you're skip leveling, walking around, keeping the passion within the company. Because a lot of people, quite frankly, go to these startups and emerging growth companies because of the passion of that leader. And, you know, this is their idea, their founding, you know, principle. This is their whole life. And so being able to draft up that energy is why employees stay. Thank you. Brian, thoughts before we wrap this part up? Yeah, sure. I'll talk about negative employees because I, I've heard – uh, from entrepreneurs over the past year or so, uh, quite a bit about negative employees. And, you know, one negative employee can really, you know, be like a virus in a company and just rip through it. Um, and so, you, you know, you can't be afraid to remove that 
employee from the situation, you know, even if they're you know, a star salesman, but they're, you know, they're completely negative and, and they're a drain on everybody who supports that person. Uh, you know, you have to look at the situation and say, I can, I can, you know, a, a lot of a lot of business owners will say, oh, I can change that person, or we just have to work with him or her because they're so valuable to the company. But what you're doing is you're killing morale, and you're going to have other good people leave the organization. Mm-hmm. So to Megan's point about keeping your finger on the pulse, when you realize that you're starting to lose morale and you're losing, you know, uh, the engagement from your employees, you know, find out, you know, if it if there's a negative source within the organization that you need to to deal with. And by the way, if that negativity is whining, that's one thing. If the negativity is warranted, then you better address yes. what's causing it, or it will be virus-like, spread quickly, and be fatal. Yeah. Thank you, and I want to move to another topic. I want to get to some talking points from Megan Sullivan. I'm going to run through a couple of them, Megan. You you take wherever you want what part you want to start a new thread here. You say, don't start a business to make money. You will fail. Then you add, these are, these are really quotables, it's lonely at the top. Then you say, ready, set, go, and maybe reset. And your last point is evangelize. Sounds to me like a handbook for entrepreneurs <laughs> to survive and thrive and keep their sanity. Megan, where do you want to come? in on this you want to tackle all of them and then we'll have brian and andrew join you yeah i think you know a lot of those stem from just my environment i I live in the heart Mm -hmm. of the silicon valley and so i network and hang out with a lot of friends that are doing this as their you know as their lifeblood Um, i've been at startups i've been at big companies so i've kind of seen it all and i think you know the wonderful thing about being in silicon valley is the buzz and the energy and when some of these companies hit it big you know like the instagrams or the Wazes or facebook what have you you get a lot of people that get that same energy and they say, oh, wow, I want to make the billion dollars too. And so they jump into the business. And you will fail if you do that. What I see is that as an entrepreneur, there are very, very high highs, but there are very, very low lows. And there's very little of the in-between, right? So if you don't have the passion, the heart, the drive, and the really the, you know, the love and the desire to do that startup just because you want to do the startup, you will fail because money is not enough of a driver to get you through those really low, low days. Sure, on the high highs, absolutely. But when it's low, it's really low, um, which leads me into that's lonely at the top. You know, these CEOs that, that we watch through Silicon Valley, you know, those low lows are, are heartbreaking and they're terrifying and they're scary. And CEOs have to maintain that positive, um, you know, leadership and kind of pump up the organization when things aren't going well. And so they can't come clean with people around them in terms of how hard it is. So mm-hmm. it's lonely up there. You know, they have to find other CEOs in different companies and sometimes different industries or different groups that they can talk to and leverage these experiences from. And again, money is not enough of a driver to get through that. And so having that network and that trusted advisory group that you can go to and a lot of vulnerability in that, in that really low time is super, super important. Very, very good point. Uh, Brian Moran, thoughts about having that group to talk to, having those people, the advisors, the mentors, the strong group. What are your thoughts? Huge. You know what? Yep. It's, not, it's not big if you are, are a true small business owner. I mean, and by that I mean, you know, the, the what we call the mom-and-pop retailers where, mm-hmm. you know, your priority is, you know, work-life balance. You don't really want to grow your business, so you're not going to elevate yourself to a point where, 
um, you know, you're going to you come to these forks in the road, like hiring new employees, opening new locations, or taking money from outside investors. That's when things start to get a little bit. You know, you're like you're you're going a little bit faster in your car. And, um, you, you know, every business owner should have at least somebody that they can talk to, no matter how small or how big you are. But I think as you start to grow your business and you start to come to these forks in the road and you have to make decisions, um, that's when it's critical to have those outside uh, advisors, people who see what you don't see and say, you know, have you thought about this? So, you, you, you know, you want a, a legal perspective, a technical perspective. You want somebody mm-hmm. who's done it before, and um, that's invaluable. I, I strongly recommend that you put together a group, too, that really can add to what you're trying to do, and they understand it. Now, question for you, and, uh, of course, we'll get into it in this one. And, and, Megan, do you pay these people? Is this your board of directors? Is this your board of advisors? How do you find them? How do you say, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I have this great idea. I've got the passion. I've got the team. i got the investments. Wow, I'm going to hit the big time, but I'd really like to bounce ideas off of you maybe once a month for an hour or so. Yeah, maybe we'll yeah. have dinner. How do you find them? Do people just – you knock on somebody's door and you say, hello, you've, you're mega successful. You're a bigwig. I'd love love to tap your brain. After a while, that gets old and it takes a lot of time. So, Megan, let me go back to you on that one quickly because you started this point. How do you sure. find these people? What's the engagement level? So I think the answer is twofold. I think, you know, when you're, when you're a CEO and an entrepreneur, I think it is really important to have that professional guidance and kind of career counseling piece of it that is kind of more mm-hmm. on a professional level that's one-on-one and very deep. I think that's really critically important. More importantly, though, is it goes back to the conversations, Bonnie, that you and I have had around mm-hmm. mentorship and finding somebody that you really yes. click with. And it's it's not about, you know, calling someone that's successful saying, I want to be like you when I grow up. It's more of, you know, when you're out there networking and speaking with people that are in your kind of same business circle, who do you connect with? Who do you have that chemistry with that you can go out and have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and just kind of talk about life a little bit? So it's it's more of an informal network at that level because it is very vulnerable, very personal, and you have to have a high level of trust that, you know, whatever you share with that person isn't going to go past that cup of wine. Ah, very Last important. One. Andrew, chime in. Well, I, I'm... I, I think that everything that's just been said, I agree with that. They, you know, you asked a question which wasn't answered yet, and that is, you know, are they, mm-hmm. they paid or unpaid? I mean, I yes. think it's both. There, there are more formal boards of advisors, and typically there's uh, either a cash stipend or uh, warrants or stock in the company or some combination thereof um, for service on the advisory board. But as Megan just said, there's also sort of a rabbi component. And every mm-hmm. successful entrepreneur I've ever met has a series of rabbis, a series of sounding boards, and that's mm-hmm. much more informal. That's over a glass of wine, over a cup of coffee, over a triple scotch, I mean, whatever your libation may be. Right. And that one is more of a trusted advisor role. And I think the trusted advisor role typically transcends quantitative and, and, and is much more qualitative, much more relationship-driven, trust-driven. You know, there mm-hmm. might be a money component to it, but, you know, it has more to do with who picks up the tab for the glass of wine than, it, than, it, than it's a paid position. 
Interesting point. I want to uh, go back to one of Megan's talking points. We're going to take a break in about three minutes. But, Megan, I, I think this is very important when you said ready, set, go, and maybe reset. You say making when making decisions, it's important to wow. do the analysis. But don't work the strategy so long that you miss the window of opportunity. Megan, is this what we used to call paralysis by analysis or something like that? Is this where you just study it and study it and study it and then whoosh, the window closes on you? How does that work? Yeah, I think that's absolutely where I was going with that. But I think in today's day and age, maybe more so than ever, is we are moving so fast. Technology is mm-hmm. moving fast. The trends are going fast. There are so many startups and new businesses and small businesses that competition has never been as strong as it is now. The window is very narrow when you get in with an idea, especially if it's very innovative and on the edge. Um, other people are going to come in with that you know, same idea that you had and try and do better, try and compete with you on that. So it's extremely important just to, you know, put your plan in place and go. But if you realize that you made a mistake or you're not going in the right direction, mm-hmm. you have to switch courses, you know, course correct, get a different plan, get your team on board to go another direction. Don't worry about that you made the wrong call. Just switch it and go. I mean, there's no time for, for a lot of analysis these days. And I think that goes back to uh, the point about the GPS and the flexibility. Brian, you want to comment on Megan's point and then Andrew, and then we'll take a break. Brian? I think think, uh, they're exactly right. It comes down to, you know, if you have a plan and if you have a plan B, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to make you successful because you will not, very rarely will you have a plan that you put together and that when you finish a project or you achieve the goal, is that plan, like, still in perfect condition. You know, it, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll look like, uh, you know, a scorebook from a 19-inning baseball game. <laughs> You'll have so many, <laughs> you know, changes and corrections and, thing, you know, uh, additions and deletions to it. Yeah, of, I, go ahead, Andrew. I, I would say, you know, the, the, the hot word, that the ready, set, go, reset. Reset to me, at least as I've been talking to clients, is about – you know, what's been talked about a lot lately is this ability to pivot. Uh, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who get caught up in this is the plan and I'm sticking to the plan and I'm going to work it till it's dead miss the ability to pivot, miss the need to pivot, and get so stuck in their ways or set in their ways that, um, that they either miss the window of opportunity or they miss the kiss of death. And no, neither are very positive. <laughs> I'm hearing resilience and flexibility in what you're all saying. And let's go. You know what? I think we're going to be resilient, but I'm going to help you be resilient in the crystal ball round now that we're approaching the end of our time together. So I'm going to give you all a break, 90 seconds. So go refresh whatever you're drinking. I'm talking today with Andrew Sherman, Brian Moran, Megan Sullivan. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're talking about how to survive being an entrepreneur and do it the right way with your sanity intact and a little money in the bank at the end of the day, growing your SME business smart tips for entrepreneurs. We'll be right back after the break. You don't want to miss the predictions. I'm going to ask my panelists to fast forward to the year 2020. That's my very bad Baba Wawa impression. 2020. And we're going to see what they think will change in the world of entrepreneurs and what advice they think might be different in the next five or six years. Don't even think of touching, you know, that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, je pense donc je suis. And here we go with our crystal ball round. I'm asking my three esteemed panelists to look forward. If you can, we're going to start with Brian Moran. If you can, to the year 2020 or a year that looks better in the crystal ball, what advice do you think you'll be giving to entrepreneurs and business leaders in that year in terms of growing their small to mid-sized business and keeping their sanity? Brian, give you two minutes on the clock. Go. So 2020 is interesting. Everybody points mm-hmm. to that. Um, I'm actually working with the founder of TED on a new conference that he's putting together. And it's called, uh, right now it's called the 555 Conference, and it's Finding the Future First. Everything focuses on 2020. Ooh, and it's very interesting. And in order for business owners to imagine what their businesses will look like in, the, in that year, you really need to come outside the box in terms of creativity. You know, will we, you know, what, what will our currency be? You know, is it Bitcoin? Is it, have we moved to a cashless society? Mm-hmm. Are, you know, driverless cars a reality, you know, and, and, and part of the, you know, mainstream? What will, um, what will education be like? What will cities be like? And so for your business, you, you really need to step out and say, where, where will I be and, and how will people uh, communicate with me? Um, you know, one, one final point on that. I remember being at a conference where they talked about, um, you know, we are connected to about 1% of everything that we can connect ourselves to in terms mm-hmm. of connectivity. Imagine life at 10% connectivity. You know, where you, your refrigerator, you know, tells you, uh, you know, you're out of something and places an order with the supermarket and they deliver it to you. You know, how would that, something like that, affect your business? I'm already talking about, to my local liquor store, Brian, about replacing the year as soon as it notices the last can. <laughs> Right. Brian, any more any more predictions, or should we go to Andrew? I, I no, that's that's it. I think you really need to just blue ocean thinking. If you if you want to know what your business will look like in 2020, I mean, think big and then times it by ten. 
Brian, is is that a long stretch for entrepreneurs? Somebody who's what like has what I like to call that gleam in their eye or that gleam in their brain is yes, I have this great idea, the newest something widget or the newest uh, I don't know the newest uh, tech genius thing, the newest next big thing, the newest next big thing. I think we could even say that together in one mm-hmm. sentence. Yeah. Uh, do you think that, that we will still see that surge of passion and people who wake up in the morning say, yes, I'm going to follow my heart. Yes, I'm going to go out and get the money. Yes, I'm going to give up what's what's sure and certain, and I'm going to go out and forge my fortune. Do you think we'll still see that energy? Will it be more or less? Quickly, your thoughts on that? I think it will be. I think it will be more because, as Megan alluded to earlier, the speed of change has, you know, increased exponentially, um, and uh, you know, I, I think that that what you have to do is the lifespan of your idea has shortened. Mm, you know, ah. your original idea. You know what something could have been five or ten years might be one year now. So you need to have new versions, new iterations of your idea. It needs to be scalable and it needs to be flexible. I love it. The lifespan of new ideas has shortened and will continue. That's a quotable, tweetable moment. Andrew Sherman, talk to me. Predictions? I can give you exactly two minutes. Go ahead. Wow. Uh, where to begin? Twenty twenty. Uh, I am. Much thinner and better looking for start. Um, <laughs> oh, we can't improve on perfection. Yeah, Come I'm on, going Andrew. For the reverse aging process. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it's funny uh, when we are guests on your show. Um, you 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 dial in a few minutes early, and you hear the very tail end of the previous show. Yes. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about data and and the role that data will play not only in our lives personally, but the role that data will play in companies, you know, getting smarter, better, faster, more efficient. And I think that right now, um, still a lot of that data is raw. It's there, and, it, and it's more information. But the previous show was talking about how over time, and I think exactly the next six years, as our tools get better, and I'm not just saying this because we're on SAP Radio, I really believe that SAP and, and other companies will play a role in helping transform this and giving us the tools and the toolkit that we need for data and information to turn to knowledge and knowledge to turn to wisdom. I love the way whoever that previous guest was talked about the transformation of data to wisdom, and it, it's very similar to what I was going to talk about anyway and, and, and almost you know pretty coincidental that it was coming up at the 1055 mark before we jumped mm-hmm. on, but there's a lot. I, I think that um, without getting too philosophical, uh, you know, the Internet is not just uh, about connectivity. It's about an opportunity for all of us to truly have a, a, you know, a shared collective wisdom. And the tools that are now being available for us to share that collective wisdom I think we're going to see transformed in the next six years. We're going to be a, a lot smarter, and if we're a lot smarter, we can be a lot more efficient, and if we're a lot more efficient, we can arguably be a lot more profitable. And to tie it all together like a good Seinfeld at the end, then we'll, we'll have a half a tank left at the end of the day and not banging our heads against the wall wondering why our tank is empty. I like that. Going back, circling all the way back to your quote. Megan Sullivan, I can give you, oh, a minute and a half. Talk to me. Predictions. Go. Yeah, I think, I mean, both these guys are spot on. I think, um, you know, technology is moving faster than ever. 
um, data is the center of the universe. It's where kind of the, the most successful companies are, are looking towards. It's companies are using it differently. And I think because data became so readily available so quickly, my prediction is that in the next, you know, five to ten years, we're going to figure out actually how to use that data socially responsible, politically responsible, you know, with all the privacy laws. I think we're going to see a whole lot more in that area because I think consumers are freaked out by it. You know, all of this information is available. Privacy laws are confusing. Consumers are wondering, why does everyone know so much about me? So my prediction mm-hmm. is that we're going to get a little tighter around that area, and some of the best technologies and the best companies are going to be those that embrace the right laws and the right bent towards consumers but know how to use that data to go deeper in business also. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I can't thank my panel enough. You've been wonderful and uh, talkative and pa- talk about passionate, all three of you. Really appreciate it. We have to do a shout-out to Ursula Ringham, who recruited Megan to fill her spot. Me- uh, Ursula was on the part one of this topic. And, Megan, you uh, you were right there with us. Thank you so much. Great ideas, and it's wonderful to hear from you again. Brian Moran, Andrew Sherman, both of you, welcome back. And, you know, we might even think about a part three in round January. Three, if, round three. Round three. Round three. Oh, I, I hear the cheering section already. I have to do a shout-out to Malcolm Kimberlin at SAP, who has been tweeting his fingers off here the whole time, capturing your words of wisdom. And he did share a coffee story with us. He said he's drinking his tesora, Black is the moonless night. That's the poet in Kimberlin. It's a cup of love from Phil's coffee. He loves to say that. I want to thank Brad and the Business Channel team. I'll be back on, let's say, Tuesday with Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Wednesday, of course, we're back with Coffee Break with Game Changers here on the Business Channel. And starting in September, I'm going to have seven live shows all at the same time. We'll be on air five hours a week and seven shows. It's higher math, I know, but I know how to do it. The thank you to everyone for a great show. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, especially you, Andrew Sherman. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Take singing lessons. Bye-bye. See you on Tuesday. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.